On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla is preparing a massive production capability upgrade for Giga Shanghai as Giga Texas and Giga Berlin continue to ramp up, which should set up a huge finish to this year. Plus, it pays to drive a Tesla in Uber. The new head of NHTSA has his eye on Tesla Autopilot and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you alongside Daisy the Boxer and also another four-legged house guest, Rue. So if you hear any rough housing of the canine variety behind me, you know why. It's I've got the door closed. All Both dogs are in here with me. I'm here by myself. My wife's and kid are out of town. So uh, for acoustics, the door needs to be closed. And so any dog rough housing, you'll know why. But in any case, I want to wish a happy 4th of July holiday weekend to my American listeners. I hope you're enjoying it, having a safe, healthy, fun time. And I hope all of you ludicrous tier backers and higher on my Patreon enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which I thought, okay, these lightning rounds have got to start getting a little shorter. Instead, they're going the other way. It was a 30-minute deep dive into Cybertruck pricing to how much I think the variants are going to cost, what options I think they're going to be, how much I think those options are going to cost, etc. And I just kind of just kept right on going and had a what is hopefully a good 30-minute mini-episode. So uh, if you're interested in backing me on Patreon, that is one of the rewards you can get at the ludicrous tier or higher. You can check it out at patreon.com slash Podcast. And if, uh, if you do at any point decide to sign up, and back me on Patreon, my efforts here with Ride the Lightning. Remember, you get access to everything, all the back catalogs. So everything I've ever done on Patreon will be there for you as well. All right, let's get started. There is plenty to talk about. We're going to be going all around the Tesla world today, and we're going to start in Shanghai. Word out of Shanghai is that we can expect 21,000 Teslas per week to start coming out of Giga Shanghai as part of a planned factory upgrade happening over the next couple of quarters. I saw this story reported on teslarati.com, who writes, citing individuals reportedly familiar with the matter, Bloomberg noted that the upgrades to Gigafactory Shanghai are expected to improve Model Y production to about 14,000 units per week. And I'm just gonna pause right here and interject my own commentary. I would suspect that's gotta mean two separate production lines, each maxing at 7,000 per week, but that remains to be seen. Anyway, back to the Tesla Roddy story. Tesla Model 3 production, on the other hand, is expected to increase to 7,700 vehicles per week. Prior to the recent round of COVID-19 lockdowns in China, Gigafactory Shanghai was reportedly producing 11,000 Model Y and 5,500 Model 3 per week. Again, I would suspect that's two Model Y lines and one Model 3 line. So I imagine they'll stick with that. They're just ramping up the speed and efficiency. Uh, The publication's sources, referring to Bloomberg, noted that eventually Tesla China is planning to hit an annual production rate of 1 million units per year. The upgrades to Gigafactory Shanghai will reportedly be performed in stages. The Model Y line will reportedly be upgraded first, 
with the company halting most production of the all-electric crossover during the first two weeks of July, aka right now. The Model 3 lines up, pardon me, let me start try that again. The Model 3 lines upgrades are expected to take place for 20 days starting July 18th, so after the Model Y line is done. This suggests that by early August, the upgrades to Gigafactory Shanghai will likely be completed. And while Tesla China would lose a significant amount of vehicle production in the third quarter due to Giga Shanghai's upcoming upgrades, the improvements in the facility should allow the company to produce an impressive number of Model Y and Model 3 for the last two months of the third quarter. Tesla China is going for an annual output, as stated, of 1 million cars per year, as highlighted by the company's efforts to upgrade both of these production lines. The upgrades to Giga Shanghai, uh, again, expected to be completed in August. Well, this I have to say, for somebody that follows, for anybody that's following Tesla closely as I do, this is absolutely gargantuan news. This is huge. If Giga Shanghai is able to hit a run rate, an annualized run rate of 1 million cars heading into Q4, on its own, by the way, just just Giga Shanghai, a 1 million uh, run rate, because if you, if you multiply that out, 20,000 units a year over, excuse me, per week over 50 weeks, and they're, they're actually aiming for more than that, you are, there's your 1 million per year. So if indeed this plan comes to fruition, and a reminder, as you know by now, that every production target, every goal, every ambitious goal that's ever been set for Giga Shanghai has not only been met, but typically exceeded and exceeded earlier than originally scheduled. So the uh, I would I would bet this will be happening. I would I would not bet against it. So Tesla will be heading into 2023 because again they're going to head into Q4 and thus as they head into 2023 they will have some serious production momentum because let's break it down across all the factories. I mean, Q4 is typically the biggest quarter for Tesla or any other automaker, but with these tailwinds coming out of these production upgrades in Giga Shanghai, it could be even more impressive because by then, again, by Q4, Berlin should be getting fairly up to speed. They're reportedly at 1,000 cars per week now. So perhaps by Q4, they're up to 5,000 a week. I mean... You know, it's the it's the very beginning of Q3, so give it one more quarter. Yeah, I think 5K a week's probably attainable. And Texas will hopefully be getting up there as well. They are reportedly starting to now produce long-range Model Y on the 2170 battery cells in addition to the standard-range all-wheel drive Model Y in the Model Y 2.0 form factor, the uh, gigacasted front and rear castings plus the 4680 structural battery pack. So progress being made in Texas as well. So, uh, although I mean, Texas probably at some point is going to pass Berlin because it's going to be producing two vehicles and not just one. But I think for 2022, it's probably reasonable to expect Giga Berlin to be outpacing Texas, even if only a little bit. And then we look at Fremont here in California Fremont has already been heroically operating above peak capacity a, uh, and operating at a higher run rate than the plant 
ever did, even in its peak Numi days back when Toyota and GM were running the show. So let's pull back. This year, 2022, this year is probably going to hurt a bit in terms of overall numbers. Just to ground this, you know, as I'm getting excited here, it's awesome to hear about these upgrades that are going to turn Giga Shanghai into this absolute monolith of production. But let's just ground this in a bit of reality that we just need to make sure we're facing here. Q2 is probably going to hurt, as we're going to find out on next week's podcast, at least in terms of the production and delivery numbers. We won't get the actual financials for another couple of weeks. But we'll have those production and delivery numbers next week. I'm going to talk more about that in a second. And it sounds like Q3 will hurt on purpose, by design, at least in Shanghai, as part of these planned upgrades. A little short-term pain for some long-term joy, some long-term success. And we don't know if Q3 could be bumpy in general outside of these planned upgrades in Shanghai just because of supply chain stuff. You know, it's, it's totally unpredictable at this moment in time. But Q4? Q4, it won't necessarily be the actual number that's super impressive in Q4. Although that said, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Q4 ends up being another record quarter for Tesla. But again, let's go back to the run rate, the annualized run rate, which Tesla has cited before in their shareholder letter as a metric to highlight, as something that they want to focus on. That run rate could be upwards of 2 million cars per year overall. Think about that. If Shanghai is at an annual run rate of a million cars... That's, that'd be 250000 for the quarter in Q4. If Fremont is at an annual run rate of 600,000 cars per year, which they're doing right now, which you know splits down to 150000 for the quarter. If Berlin is at an annual run rate of, let's say, 250000 for the year, that's 60000 for the quarter. And let's say Texas is at an annual run rate Eh, 150,000 on the Model Y alone. Again, for the year, which would put it at 35,000 or so for the quarter. That would make for a total annual run rate across around the entire globe for Tesla, the, the worldwide Tesla production capability of exactly 2 million cars of an annualized run rate. I think it's absolutely achievable for Q4. And then next year, again, I talk about those tailwinds. Because next year, 2023, the Cybertruck will get started out of Giga Texas in uh, the beginning of Q3. And Model Y will ramp up, have ramped up even more in both Berlin and Texas. And by the way, if Tesla does achieve an annual run rate in Q4 of 2 million cars, it will mean that they've actually built. 500, I mean, the number, the the production number, the delivery number, production slash delivery number for Q4 across those four factories around the world would be 500,000 cars, which by the way, if that happens, let's say when that happens, that will shatter the current quarterly production and delivery record of 308,000 cars produced 
That happened in Q4 of 2021. And the current delivery record in a quarter is 310,000 cars, which just happened in Q1 of 2022. But bringing this back to now, I posted a Patreon poll this week, again, on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. I asked you guys where you thought Tesla's deliveries would come in for the, at least as you hear this, in fact, as I record this, the now ended Q2 2022. And here are the results. So we're looking at 50%, exactly 50% of the votes, 109 votes total, voted for between 250 and 280,000 of their, is their prediction for this quarter. A third of you that voted on Patreon uh, said it'll be close to that record Q1 between 280,000 and 310,000. 14% of you went super optimistic and said, you think that it'll be higher, it'll set a new all-time record and deliveries will be higher than the 310,000 car record from Q1. And just 3% were on the opposite spectrum feeling pessimistic, thinking that it's the number is going to be below 250,000 cars. So uh, we will see what happens. If We'll see if Tesla has found a way to power through those COVID-related Shanghai shutdowns and set a new record, or more likely it's going to fall somewhere below the record, and it's just a question of how far below. Next up this week, listener Blaine from Houston sent me this really fun story about an Uber driver who doubled her, double, think about this, doubled her monthly tips after switching from driving a Toyota Camry in Uber to a Tesla Model 3. This story was originally reported via Business Insider, who uh, quotes Ms. Barnes saying, uh, the, the Heidi, Heidi Barnes is her name, and she says, usually I'm lucky to get a $1 to $3 tip, but now it's $10 or $15, sometimes consecutively, she told Bloomberg. Barnes said she made $2,600 in tips during a 25-day period of driving the Tesla. She usually made around $800 to $1,000 over the same period in her Camry, she said. Quote, they're a lot more generous, Barnes said of her customers. Barnes, who drives mostly around Los Angeles, is one of nearly 15,000 Uber drivers to have leased a Tesla since the company signed a deal with the car rental firm Hertz in October of 2021, per Bloomberg. Uber also drive, uh, excuse me, Uber also offers drivers a $1 per ride, zero emissions incentive if they opt for an electric car. Barnes told Bloomberg she swapped her Toyota for the Tesla because the cost of filling up the Toyota jumped from around $60 to $100. She said it costs her around $450 a month to run the Tesla, including lease costs and charging, compared with around $600 for fueling the Toyota alone. And again, that's not even in factoring in those tips. So she's already coming out ahead even before those the, the higher uh, tips she's getting. Now, anecdotally here, ever since Uber started its deal with Hertz, I have to say, speaking personally, which I know doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things and isn't 
uh, any sort of reliable data. But for myself, I've gone from only ever getting a Tesla as my Uber one time. It had only happened one time prior to this Hertz deal with Uber. Now it has happened several times in recent months, which certainly makes me happy as a customer of Uber and somebody who's a Tesla owner. And by the way, on that note, I'm really glad that Uber now has an Uber green option when you're selecting what kind of car you want. Because it doesn't, in my experience, it doesn't seem to cost any more from what I can tell than a, than a, a, a typical you know, Uber XL or Uber X, I guess, is the basic one, right? And obviously, if you choose Uber Green, it will increase your chances of getting a Tesla, which also makes me happy. I will say, uh, I have not personally ridden in a Model X Uber, but I did see a Model X on the road with an Uber sticker on it recently, which I have never seen before. That is, you know, you don't typically see $100,000 cars being driven in Uber, but uh, that would have definitely been a delightful thing had that popped up on my Uber. I said, oh, a Model X is coming to get me. Sweet. But uh, anyway, although maybe, maybe for all I know, maybe there are Uber Xs in the like Uber Black, the higher up service that I never use. Anyway, what's also cool about this story is that, again, when you just pull back and think about it logically, I'm sure that word is going to get around to other Uber drivers that your tips go up if you're driving a Tesla. I mean, if, if other drivers were on the fence or already considering switching over to a Tesla, hearing something like this about these substantially higher tips could definitely convince them to move forward with a switch to a Tesla. There's, I mean, that money talks, right? And certainly on that same note of money talking, the gas prices being what they are only makes the economics even more favorable for a rideshare driver compared to uh, driving a gasoline-powered car in a rideshare service. Now, if anybody in my audience has driven Uber or Lyft in their Tesla and would like to share your experience, as always, please try to keep it to a brief 90-second or less phone call. I would love to hear from you. As always, I'll give you the call-in information Later on, when we get to the Ride the Lightning hotline, it's also in the show notes, the episode description every week as well. Well, unfortunately, I do need to move to some unfortunate news this week. As part of the layoffs that Tesla has been doing, the 10% of the salaried workforce that Elon mentioned a couple weeks ago, Tesla has laid off about 200 workers from the autopilot team shutting down an office uh, here in California in San Mateo. So the main, uh, you know, Palo Alto is the corporate headquarters. You've got the Fremont and factory, but this autopilot team was working out of San Mateo, which is reasonably close to, I used to live in San Mateo. Uh, it's reasonably close to the San Francisco airport. If you're curious about just kind of where in the Bay Area geography that is. But anyway, the story was reported, or at least I saw it on Engadget, who writes, according to Bloomberg, the company notified staff of the move this past Tuesday. Many of the affected employees were annotation specialists whose jobs involved evaluating and labeling autopilot data obtained from customers. Along with the layoffs, Tesla closed that aforementioned San Mateo location. Bloomberg reports what remained of the 350-person team was transferred to another nearby office. 
Well, this was obviously a, a, a big group of people. I mean, there's no discounting 200 folks. Uh, this is the data, the data labeling team. So when you, you know, either when Tesla is culling data saying, oh, I want, I want to pull uh, intersection data where there are two left turn lanes, pull that. Uh, that's, you know, that's those people are labeling that stuff. And potentially they're probably also labeling when you submit, if you're in the FSD beta and you press that video snapshot button, when when auto when the FSD beta does something that it's not supposed to do, those are going to be uh, evaluated and labeled by by humans as well. So, I mean, there's, there's no getting around this. This is terrible news, and and I'm just so sorry to, to those autopilot team members who were affected by this. If there's a silver lining here, and I want to be extraordinarily clear, I in no way am trying to minimize or diminish the just awful life-changing event that occurred for these people. Losing your job is, is not, is never a good thing. But uh, I, I can say that I am very optimistic that these folks are not going to be unemployed for very long because I would expect that they will have plenty of interest from other automakers who are basically all working on driver assistance programs of some kind. I mean, more specifically, we know for a fact Rivian has a lot of ex-Tesla folks. If you've watched any videos of Rivian's uh, driver assistance system in action, I forget what they actually call it. I apologize for not having that at the top of my head at the moment. But uh, if you've seen the videos, this, it, it operates, and even on the screen, it looks exactly like Autopilot does. Like, it's very clear they're following the Tesla bl- blueprint on this. So hopefully Rivian might gobble some of these folks up. Lucid also is readying a, uh, you know, a driver assistance system similar to autopilot. But really, it's not just them. It's not just those other EV startups. There are so many OEMs that would probably uh, be lining up to snap up a bunch of ex-Tesla autopilot team members So I hope that's the case, and I wish all of the people affected by this a very speedy and successful bounce back. In other news, in better news, uh, specifically here, Hawaii, the state of Hawaii, is eliminating its last coal-powered plant with a new Tesla Megapack installation. I saw this on canarymedia.com, who wrote, when Tesla's, excuse me, when Hawaii's last remaining coal plant ceases operations on the island of Oahu in September, the state will turn instead to a giant battery to ensure the grid keeps functioning smoothly. The Kapolei Energy Storage Facility, KES, will rank among the largest standalone batteries in the world at 185 megawatts, 565 megawatt hours. It is contracted with utility Hawaiian Electric to keep the grid running for the next 20 years, a crucial interval leading up to the 2045 deadline for Hawaii to become carbon-free. Soon, 158 Tesla Mega Packs will arrive on the seven-acre patch of dusty, previously disturbed land in the James Campbell Industrial Park a cluster of heavy industry on the west side of Oahu. Quote, here, today, on Oahu, 
plus power and Hawaiian Electric are sending a postcard from the future, said Plus Power's lead developer Bob Rudd at a ground blessing ceremony last week. He continues, quote, I'm certain that someday we'll all look back when there are dozens of projects just like KES on the mainland and all across the world and we'll think, we were there. Hawaii showed the world how to do it first, end quote. You know, I don't often do stories from the energy side of Tesla's business because as I've told you a million times, I'm most interested in the cars. I mean, I'm a car guy. The car stuff's what I care about. But boy, these bigger installations like this that instantly make a meaningful difference for a community are just fascinating to me. And and honestly, they're heartwarming to me. They're, it's inspiring to read this. It really is. I mean, I'm not, no joke at all. I mean, it's I'm just being purely sincere when I say that. And this one in particular, a mega pack project that is gonna be taking the place of the last coal plant in Hawaii. Well, that's pretty darn significant, I think. So I wanna say kudos to the Hawaii state government and their utility provider, Hawaiian Electric, for taking this critical step as an island who, by the way, has only itself to rely on for energy. I mean, Hawaii is taking steps now, as, as you heard, to become completely carbon free and completely renewable and that's just going to be, as you heard uh, the leader there, Mr. Bob Rudd, the lead developer, say, that's going to be a model for the rest of the United States. And I'm cheering them on. So I just wanted to share that feel-good story this week. Next up, and in fact, finally for this week, maybe uh, let's call this a neutral story. Maybe it's going to turn out to be good. Maybe it's going to turn out to be bad. <laughs> but the new head of NHTSA will be taking a closer look at Tesla's autopilot. Stephen Cliff, who was confirmed as the new head of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, aka NHTSA, last month, recently stated that the agency would be intensifying its efforts to understand the risks and benefits posed by automated driver assistance technologies like Tesla Autopilot. When Cliff joined NHTSA, he was surprised to see that the agency did not have data on automated vehicle crashes. By the way, this story comes from Tesla Roddy as well. As a result of this, Cliff noted that he challenged NHTSA to come up with a report. The initial data from these reports was released recently, and it revealed that Tesla accounted for nearly 70% of reported crashes involving level, level two driver assistance systems in the US. In an interview, Cliff was quick to point out, in fairness, that while Tesla accounts for the lion's share of crashes involving vehicles equipped with driver assistance systems, the company also has its driver assist system on nearly all of its roughly 830,000 cars on U.S. roads. This, together with the fact that Tesla provides near instantaneous wireless reporting of crashes, makes it quite difficult to compare the company's results with other automakers. The uh, NHTSA has initiated, I don't know why Te uh, Tesserati kept writing the NHTSA. It's just, no, NHTSA has initiated a number of probes into Teslas since Cliff's arrival. That being said, Cliff pointed out that Tesla has been cooperative since his arrival at the agency. The new NHTSA chief noted that Tesla is quite proactive and the agency's relationship with the automaker has been good. Quote, I think we work well with them. And when we have identified that there are risks, they've taken action and that's appropriate, Cliff said. 
Overall, the new NHTSA chief stated that he believes federal standards are needed to regulate automotive, excuse me, automated driver assist technologies. However, Cliff noted that he would like to avoid rushing as new rules may potentially end up compromising safety. Quote, anytime we put a regulation on the books, we have to define not only what standard that technology needs to be held to, but we need to have an objective way to measure the performance of the system to ensure that it actually complies with the regulation, he said. And that seems totally reasonable to me. I can't possibly agree with that more. And the big thing that I took away from this story was the relationship factor. I am very, very glad to hear that Tesla seems to be on good terms with NHTSA right now, with this new head of the agency, because the fact is, Tesla needs to stay on good terms with NHTSA. A huge, arguably, you could possibly the number one thing on Tesla's to-do list in the next five years is to bring full autonomous driving to fruition. And to do that, they are going to need NHTSA's cooperation and ultimately their regulatory approval to be able to do that even when they have the technology. So I have to imagine that Mr. Cliff at least thinks well of Tesla coming into the job, which, you know, you didn't hear anything to the contrary there in his quotes, because professionally speaking, if you're the head of NHTSA, you look at Tesla coming into this gig and you, you see the data and the data says, well, Tesla has the best crash test safety results of any automaker ever, not just today, but ever. So if you're the head of NHTSA, that's got to earn Tesla some goodwill in your mind, I would think. And so I wish them both well. I wish Tesla well. I wish Mr. Cliff well. And hopefully when Tesla is ready to roll out new technologies to those of us who are Tesla owners, Tesla drivers, that NHTSA will be able to approve any new regulations in a uh, swift and fair, equitable way so that those new technologies can help keep people safe on the roads as quickly as possible. That is everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news for this week, but plenty more to talk about on this week's episode of the show. Coming up, your uh, Ride the Lightning hotline, your calls, your Tesla questions, comments, discussion topics, coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. As promised, it's time for your phone calls, your chance to be heard here on the podcast. I encourage you to call in with your question, comment, or discussion topic. And to do that, there are two easy ways. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record that question, Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then you can email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. 
or you can take your question and actually call in with it. Leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's there for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Kicking it off this week, a public service announcement specifically to my Canadian listeners from Andre in Quebec. Hi Ryan, this is Andre from Quebec. As you may know, back in March, Tesla implemented a new 4-tier pricing structure to the pay-per-minute superchargers in Canada, along with a massive price increase that in many cases more than doubled the cost of using the superchargers network throughout the country. Since electricity prices increased by only 2% over the past year, this means that the supercharger rates increased 50 times more than the cost of electricity, and it's been twice more than the increase of gas prices. While Elon Musk said in a tweet posted a couple months ago that he would look into it, there's no indication of when or even if Tesla will actually revise their new prices. They did readjust their prices more recently, but while they slightly reduced the higher tiers, they also actually increased the lower tiers, so it made very little difference in the total cost of an average charging session. Despite the very significant financial implications of this price increase to Tesla owners, which can be up to hundreds or even thousands of dollars per year, very few people are talking about it. So I got to work and created an explanatory video describing the issue to raise awareness and to invite the Tesla community to join their voices by signing an online petition asking Tesla to lower the supercharger rates back to a more reasonable level. This price increase directly contradicts their commitment to not turn their superchargers network into a profit center and even goes against their core mission to accelerate the transition to sustainable energy. I love Tesla, but in this case it appears that their public statements don't match their actions and I don't think it's right of them to suddenly double their supercharger rates like that. So I invite everyone listening to go to change.org to sign the petition I created there. It doesn't matter whether you live in Canada or not because if Tesla can implement such a dramatic price increase here, they can definitely do it anywhere else as well as we saw recently in many parts of the United States. So I hope to get as many people as possible to sign that petition so that together we can show Tesla that the community strongly disagrees with this kind of move. You can easily find the petition in one of two ways, either on change.org or on YouTube. In both cases, simply search for Tesla Unofficial Suggestion Box and it should be quite easy to find it from there. Again, it's Tesla Unofficial Suggestion Box. Thank you so much for all you do. Give Daisy a big sloppy kiss for me and keep up the great work. Thanks. Andre, I genuinely empathize with you and your fellow Canadians here. This is not a good situation or, in my opinion, a fair one for Tesla owners in Canada. So I am happy to play your call as a PSA. Hopefully it helps people. It's a call to action for anybody out there, Canadian or otherwise, who would like to sign your petition and join your cause. I am with you. Next up this week is Mark from Newton, Massachusetts. Hi Ryan, it's Mark from Newton, Mass. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm calling with the hope that you might know something about what can cause the estimated delivery date to slip. I was lucky enough to be able to order a long-range Model Y back in the beginning of April. I even added FSD on the hope that it might help expedite delivery. And the original estimate was for around now, but last week when I checked, the estimate had been pushed past the end of the year into next. And it matched what I got as an estimate when I ran the estimator on a current delivery spec the exact same way. In other words, I'm at the end of the line. Do you have any idea what could be causing this or anything that I could do about it? I'm not trading in a car. I'm not getting financing. 
I understand that estimates slip due to supply chain issues, but being at the end of the line just doesn't seem right, and there must be something I'm doing wrong. Anyway, if you have any ideas, I'm happy to try anything. <laughs> Looking forward very much to getting my Model S. I'm still a Tesla fan, and I'm certainly a fan of this show, and wish you well. Thanks. Bye. Mark, the good news is that when you get that new Model S, you're going to love it. That said, I completely understand, respect, and empathize with the frustration and or exasperation that you're feeling right now. The FSD loophole, if you want to call it that, where you would add FSD to your order and then your estimated delivery date would magically move up, well, that loophole's been closed, which I said at the time when it, when it did get closed, I think is the fair thing to do. As such, if you don't really want FSD, you should feel free to go in and remove it. Or the other alternative is if you'd rather switch it to the brand new or newly available again, enhanced autopilot option, you have that door open to you now as well. I mean, I wish I had a concrete answer for you. My best guess is that perhaps plaid orders are being prioritized, which by the way, we already know is the case on the Model X. So it may very well also be the case on the S. If so, that could explain your delay or more realistically, that plus the supply chain issues that you referenced and perhaps also plus your configuration being moved back in the build queue, since we know that Tesla, like I presume all car company, all high volume car companies, batches builds, batches orders by paint color, et cetera, et cetera. But one bit of optimism for you. If anyone near you has an order for the same car and it falls through for whatever reason, which is somewhat reasonable, or somewhat reasonably likely, I should say, given that you're right near a major city in Boston, you've got a decent chance to get your car sooner. It just takes one person uh, to, that with your same config in your, in your area to, to fall out, uh, you know, and then you move up, to, unless there are other people ahead of you, but if, you know, you'd be surprised. So I'm sorry I can't be more helpful here, but hang in there. As I said at the top, I promise you the wait will be worth it. Next up is Brett from Austin. Hey, Ryan. Uh, This is Brett from Austin calling to leave a comment. Uh, We recently traded in our Model Y long range uh, for a Model Y performance because, quite frankly, it was only $1,500 to take a one and a half year old used car and trade in a new one because $5 gasoline has that effect on people wanting EVs. just one note for everybody uh, listening of some of the updates that have been just in the last year and a half, we anticipated that we would just like the car because of the performance increase. But in fact, it has felt like an entirely new vehicle uh, with new headlights, the lithium ion low voltage battery, the HEPA filter, which is a much quieter HVAC sound, heated steering wheel, Ryzen uh, processor, the new center console, the delete of the piano black on the doors, and, and uh, quite frankly, a much better suspension. I don't know whether that's due to the performance or whether that is uh, something that they have improved, but we definitely noticed a, a positive difference between somewhat rough and rattly suspension on the Model Y long range early 
and now the 2022 uh, Model Y Performance. So anyway, just wanted to let you all know that uh, they have done an awful lot on that car and improved a lot, uh, and it is well worth the upgrade if you can get a good trade like we did. Wishing you all well. Take care, and thanks for the great podcast. Bye. Thank you, Brett. Well, I imagine sales tax still has to factor into that as well, but even still, it sounds like you were able to make that upgrade for a price that was seemingly almost too good to pass up. And, you know, my favorite part of your call is how you got even more than you expected out of it. You're absolutely right. Tesla has very quietly made some really nice upgrades in the just two short years that the Model Y has been on the market so far. It, I don't know about you or anybody else listening, but it, it, to me, it kind of feels like the Model Y has been around longer than it has, but it's only been two years and a quarter. It's been two and one quarter years. The car debuted in March of 2020, right before the, the pandemic hit, and the factory shut down for six weeks, and then when it resumed, Model Y production and deliveries resumed. But it's only been out there for two years, but they've made a lot of nice improvements, both subtle and not so subtle, and that car has gotten a lot better in a short amount of time. I mean, I guess the only quote-unquote downside, uh, using air quotes, which you may be aware of, but just to make clear to anybody listening, since you didn't happen to mention it, is that when upgrading to the Performance Model Y, your tires will not only need to be replaced more often with those 21-inch summer tires on the Performance Y, they're also going to cost a bit more when you do need to replace them. So as long as anybody considering doing the same thing that you did is aware of that going in, that's all I want to add to your call. Brett, congratulations on the new Performance Model Y, and thank you very much for your call. Next up, Jamie from nearby Alameda, California. Hey, Ryan, this is Jamie from Alameda. I have a 2022 Model S long range that has a couple of issues, and from what I've seen on the forums, I am not alone. Um, specifically, the issues that uh, the car has are with the uh, adaptive air suspension. Um, the car purports to support and have modes allowing the user to change the dampening settings for comfort to firm. Uh, there's also presets for sport and automatic and comfort. But none of these settings actually translate into any perceivable difference in the ride. The suspension feels the same regardless of how these are set. I've talked to the Tesla Service Center on a couple of visits. They say they have heard complaints of this issue themselves, but they're unaware of any forthcoming fix or have not heard anything from Tesla. The other issue is the active noise reduction setting. Uh, this feature was initially called active noise reduction, and it's since been changed to active road noise reduction. This feature also is uh, not exactly working up to uh, anyone's expectations. Uh, definitely not anyone who's expecting a reduction in noise, that's for sure. Anyway, I wanted to share my experiences and thoughts on this. And uh, Ryan, if you have any feedback or anyone else in the Ride the Lightning community, that would be welcome to hear at the next show. Thanks again for all you do, Ryan, and have a good one. 
Hi, Jamie, thanks for your call. Well, I have to say, I was not aware of these particular, shall we say, unfulfilled Model S promises. I knew about the multi-zone Bluetooth, that had been promised, but also hasn't been delivered yet. And I'd heard that there was an active noise cancellation software update some time ago, but it sounds like Tesla may be walking that one back a bit too. I will say that in my limited experience with the new Model S, it did seem fairly quiet overall. Then again, I'm comparing it to a Model 3, uh, so that just may be my perspective on it. But at what point do we call it good on that, you know? I'm not asking rhetorically, I'm genuinely asking because I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry to hear about the suspension as well. I mean, hopefully that one can be addressed by software updates to the system, but overall, I do agree that it has been a bit disappointing that as the new Model S now celebrates, we're past its first birthday. It was two weeks ago, in fact, that there are still a notable number of quality of life features that have still not come to fruition either at all or to the extent that owners should reasonably expect. I wish I had a constructive suggestion for you, Jamie. I mean, I suppose what I would say optimistically is that the Model S is very publicly Elon's favorite car that the company makes and Franz's favorite too. So I imagine that these things will get addressed at some point, just like the tilting center screen eventually got dealt with. All the best to you and enjoy that new Model S in good health. Next up, here's Dave from San Francisco. Hey, Ryan. This is Dave from San Francisco. I've got uh, two things to say. One is a uh, gripe about Tesla's service, and the other is about the Bolt and your wife's choice, possibly. Um, the thing about Tesla, um, I've had a, I'm driving the Model S right now, and I had a, um, uh, suspension uh, rod thing in the front that failed twice, and so I took it in for the second time under warranty. They said I needed to pay, uh, I don't know, 150 bucks for um, a diagnosis, uh, so I authorized that. And the time before, they told me that, and they said if it's actually something that needs to be replaced, they won't charge me. This time they wanted to charge anyway, and I complained about it, and the guy uh, at the service desk uh, said, okay, we'll, we'll take care of it. So he didn't charge me, but I asked another guy out in the yard, and he said, yeah, that's the policy. So I think that's a very poor policy. Uh, when you have something under warranty and they want to charge you for a diagnosis and then fix it, but still want to charge for the diagnosis, it's crazy. The other thing about the Bolt, um, we rented a Bolt in Hawaii this last January and loved it. And I think your wife would be very happy. Um, we would have bought one ourselves, but uh, because of the recall, we couldn't get it. And uh, they've since come out with a little bit bigger one. Uh, but that the original Bolt was fantastic, and I would definitely recommend it. Okay, thanks, Ryan, for everything you do. Dave, thank you, as always, for your calls. First, real quick, regarding the Bolt that my wife is considering, you are one of many people now who've had good things to say about the car. In fact, I have to say, from the Ride the Lightning audience, I have not heard a bad word about it, which seems like a good sign. We've still got some time to think about it, as this cheaper 2023 model still isn't on sale yet, but... 
It's great to hear so much positive feedback on it. Now, second, regarding the Tesla Service Center diagnostic fee, I agree with you that you should not be charged for something under warranty. However, I do also see Tesla's side of it. I'm not saying I agree with the charge $150 no matter what thing. That's not right for a warrantied vehicle, in my opinion. But I suspect they were probably getting people bringing in cars for any little thing, software or hardware, which was probably eating up the technician's time at the service centers. That's where I would imagine that this policy came from. So let's hope that Elon's recent renewed focus on service means that Tesla will soon have the bandwidth to not have to implement policies like this. Take care, Dave. Thank you very much. Next up, a PSA from John in Williamsburg, Virginia. Hi, this is John Cornett in Williamsburg, Virginia. And I've got a uh, something interesting that happened with the uh, mobile service uh, appointment that I just had today. I was experiencing the car not shutting off when I walked away from it. The window would not um, function properly. So when I got out of the car uh, and I opened the door, the second I let go of the handle, if I was coming in or the minute I hit the button and opened the door, the, the window would immediately go right back up to its uh, full position. And then, of course, that's a problem because if you try to shut the door, it's going to hit the, the top. So anyway, I did a service appointment for that. They came out really nice and noted that the puddle light actually is the switch for the door to let the car know whether it's open or closed, uh, which I, I was not aware of that. So it literally was just a puddle light that was causing all of those issues. And uh talked with a few uh, other Tesla friends of mine. They had no idea that, that that was actually part of that switch. So I thought maybe some of the listeners might get some uh, value out of that, that if you're experiencing similar stuff, uh, maybe just check the puddle light and uh, see if maybe that's the issue. Um, anyway, love the podcast. Uh, love what you're doing. Keep it up. Have a good day. I've got nothing to add to that one, John. I appreciate you calling in with that public service announcement for everybody. Our last caller this week is Peter from Amory, Wisconsin. Take it away, Peter. Hello, Ryan. This is Peter from Amory, Wisconsin. I hope all is well. Um, I've been listening to your podcast uh, now from the very, well, I just started listening from the very beginning. Um, and now I'm around episode like mid, mid to late thirties where, um, it's about the model three reveal. And one of the things I have, you've talked about in these past episodes is that supposedly the model Y was supposed to have Falcon green doors. At least that's what Musk was saying at the time. Um, obviously that did not happen. And I was just kind of curious if you know why that didn't happen and when that change was made. I think it would have been cool to see that, but I imagine that probably was either too expensive or maybe complicated. Um, and uh, I guess my follow-up question is, do you think there ever will be another Tesla model that will have the Falcon wings? Um, that would be cool, but you know, I understand that may be just exclusive to that. Anyways, um, I hope you have a good rest of your day, and thank you for the podcast. Cheers. Bye. Peter, it's always great to hear from you. And by the way, I appreciate you going all the way back to the beginning of Ride the Lightning. You know, I guess at this point, those old episodes are just interesting little weekly time capsules of what was going on at Tesla at that time and how I was feeling about it. It's funny, I hadn't thought about the whole idea of the Model Y having Falcon Wing doors in years but you're right, that was a discussion for a while. My memory of it is that I thought that it wouldn't have Falcon Wing doors for the exact reasons that you mentioned. 
cost and complexity. But you've heard those shows, those episodes more recently than I have, so I guess you'd have a better idea of what I said than I would at this point. But honestly, I really don't think we're ever going to see Falcon wing doors again on a Tesla. And yes, as a longtime DeLorean owner, it hurts me to say that. But Elon's focus these days seems to be on massively scaling the company, which is a focus that I can't disagree with. And with the Roadster being the only new low-volume car that Tesla is likely to produce for the foreseeable future, I think it's pretty unlikely that Tesla will attempt a high-volume vehicle with Falcon Wing doors on it. But boy, oh boy, would I love to be wrong on that one. Thank you very much, Peter. And thank you to everybody who took the time to call in to the Ride the Lightning hotline. I encourage you to do so if you've heard me talk about something up in the news block at the top of the show that you want to react to. If uh, a question was spurred on by something you heard from another caller, feel free to call in. I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of this segment, so refer back there. But I'm not done yet. There is more Ride the Lightning coming your way right after this. Well, last weekend, I had a fun activity with my car. I drove down to the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley Club event held at SS Customs last weekend, which is a detail shop that does a lot of Tesla work. There are a ton of cars with cool wraps, custom wheels, all kinds of stuff going on in there. Uh, It was nice to just see a lot of people. Some people were listeners, came up to me and said hello. I very much appreciate that. And yeah, it's just nice to to hang out with other Tesla owners from time to time. I always have fun with that. And a credit to the leadership team of Tesla owners of Silicon Valley for putting that together. It was a beautiful day. There were even, there were two original roadsters out there. There's some pictures on my Instagram. Uh, I'm DMC underscore Ryan on Instagram, also on Twitter. But the pictures are over on Instagram if you are curious to see those. Hey, I haven't given you an enter- given you an entertainment recommendation in a while. I probably have said this mentioned this show before, but season 3 just ended and I cannot recommend Barry on HBO or HBO Max enough. Boy, it's it's in my opinion one of the best shows on television. Absolutely not a family-friendly situation just to <laughs> fairly warn you. But boy, if you have not watched it yet, Go start from season one. You definitely need to start at the beginning and go. It is a very dark comedy, but it's just impeccably written, acted, directed. It's a phenomenal show. So if you need a good show, check it out. How about a pro tip of the week? This is the segment of the show where I always give one of those, courtesy of you guys, the wonderful Ride the Lightning audience. And this pro tip of the week comes in from Scott in Rochester, New York. Hey Ryan, I'm calling with a quick pro tip for scheduled departure users. If you're like me, you use the feature on weekdays to precondition the car for the morning commute, and also think to yourself, man, I wish I could set it up so that the car would also precondition itself for the ride home. Since there only seems to be one menu option for the schedule itself, either in the car or on the app. However, if you look closely, you'll see it says scheduled departure for this location. If you open the app while you're on site at your office or wherever, you can set up a new scheduled departure for the trip home using the new time of day and, and the options there. It will appear, though, as though you're overwriting the previously saved schedule, but it'll actually will save both of them. 
uh, for me, it's been incredibly useful because I was manually going in every, at the end of every day and turning on the climate control and stuff to get the car ready. Now I don't have to do that anymore uh, because it did save both the morning and afternoon routines. I want to give a shout out to Tesla Motors Reddit user Rare Lettuce eight zero eight four for providing this tip on the month's uh, this month's requested features thread. Absolutely blows my mind. I've been driving my car for two years, didn't know about this, and I hope it helps a few of your listeners out there. As always, thanks for the fantastic show every week, Ryan. That is a wonderful pro tip, Scott. I didn't know that one either, and I suspect a lot of folks are joining us in learning about that one for the first time. Joining me, I should say, in learning about that one for the first time. And I'll tell you, this is exactly why I love this segment of the show. If uh, one of the other callers had mentioned they were going back to the beginning and listening from episode one, I don't quite recall. I'd have to look it up and see when I started doing the pro tip of the week. But it's, I mean, it's been at least a few years now because this show has been running. We're, oh, we're one month away from the seven-year anniversary of this podcast. But anyway, I'm so glad that the pro tip of the week section is still thriving because it's, you know, there's there's always something new and interesting that uh, that you, the listeners, find out about the car, a little Easter egg, a little, you know, life hack, workaround, whatever it is. And I'm always happy to share those because I'm always happy to learn about them myself. So thanks to you and thank you to that Tesla Motors Reddit user as well. It's very kind of you to attribute credit to them on that. And if anybody else out there, as I said, if anybody's got a pro tip of the week, share it with me, share it with your fellow Ride the Lightning listeners. You can send that in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. And I gave you the information on that a little earlier on the show. All right, it is just about time for me to hit the road. But before I do, let me mention a few friends of the podcast. Actually, let me start with the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You know, I mentioned at the top the weekly lightning round bonus mini episodes for the ludicrous tier backers and, and higher and the weekly Patreon poll that, that you've been hearing about. I've been doing those on the podcast Trying to be more involved on there, try to give you more goodness, more fun, more stuff to listen to, more ways to get involved, participate. And my hope is that at some point, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe soon, you will uh, see fit to say, you know what, Ryan? Yes, you've been doing this podcast every single week for nearly seven years now. I enjoy it. I'm going to support you on Patreon And I would greatly appreciate if you would do just that because every little bit helps. Times are weird right now. So again, the the website to go to that has all the different tiers and all the different perks and bonuses attached to each tier, all that stuff is at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. How about abstractocean.com? If you are in need of aftermarket accessories for your car, if you think, boy, I could really use fill in the blank, check abstractocean.com because there's a very good chance that they might have it. They carry many, many, many aftermarket accessories for all four currently in production Teslas, the S, the X, the 3, and the Y. So maybe you want a new fourth generation tempered glass screen protector custom made for the 3 and the Y. Maybe you want the rear footwell lighting kit, which again, I recommend for you Model Y owners. Maybe you want to change the color of your interior lighting, your accent lighting, the premium uh, lighting there. 
Maybe you want to do one of a million other things. Just take a look, see what they've got. AbstractOcean.com. If you see something you like, throw it in your cart. If you see another thing and another thing, get it all in your cart because there's a one-time code, a 15% off of your first order. And to utilize that, just use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout. RTLPODCAST, all one word on that. The snap plate, which you can get for, again, all four Teslas at everyamp.com slash RTL. That is the front license plate bracket that if you want or are legally required to have a front license plate, this is the bracket that I highly recommend. It's not going to stick to the front of your car like the one Tesla gives you. It's nice, minimal design. Come, It comes off easily if you want it, but when it's on, it's on securely. So check it out, everyamp.com slash RTL. And then there's budgetsafesolar.com. Every Tesla owner has a pretty good idea, if not an exact idea of the cost of the electricity that their Tesla sips on every night. But we all only know that based on today's electric grid rates. None of us know how much these rates are gonna go up in the next five, 10 plus years. That is, except the people with solar power. If you've been thinking about getting solar installed at your home or office, contact a friend of the show, Budget Safe Solar, at the very simple website, budgetsafesolar.com. You know, you're going to get a quote from Tesla, as you should, I would. Uh, maybe you're going to get quotes from some of the other third party companies that aren't Tesla, but why not also get a quote? Reach out, budgetsafesolar.com. Their whole motto is capping tomorrow's energy costs today. And by the way, if you've been considering entering the field of solar, which is growing rapidly, they'd like to talk to you about that as well. So if you decide to proceed with a solar installation at your home or business, just please use the referral code RTL. I humbly ask that you include that. How about Immaculate Reflections? If you're going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area with your car doesn't have to be your Tesla. Maybe you've got another fun weekend car, something, you know, a dream car that you have in your garage that you take out from time to time. If it needs, whether it's your Tesla, whether it's another car, if you want to give it some uh, real professional attention, maybe paint correction, which I've had done on my Model 3, and I was just actually, I just got a, a, a person that had never seen my car, that uh, an extended family member that was up here visiting, complimented me on the paint, which, uh, which is very much attributable to Immaculate Reflections for that paint correction work that he did. So maybe you want to do that. Maybe you want to do paint protection film on the front of the car or all the front and all the rocker panels or maybe all the car. Whatever you want to do. Uh, maybe you want to do a ceramic coating so that water just beads off of it for the next three to five years because that's how long a ceramic coating lasts. And you don't have to wax the car because the ceramic coating is a wax times 100. So whatever you might want to do with your car, Immaculate Reflections will take wonderful care of your car. Visit their website, which is also the way to get in contact. It's IR Detailing. Excuse me. It's a little... Try that one again, irdetailing.com. There we go. My voice needs to hold up for another five minutes or so. irdetailing.com. Mention that you're a listener of Ride the Lightning and there is a nice little discount waiting for you on any work that you book. 
You don't have to book a minimum amount or anything like that. Just mention your Ride the Lightning listener and there's a discount for you. How about puretesla.com slash RTL? Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. It's a micro SD based solution that is built to tolerate the constant reading and writing that the sentry mode and dash cam do. So $49 shipped free anywhere in the US, by the way, $49 free shipping in the US will get you the 128 gigabyte kit. Again, get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. They also have nice, uh, a nice wireless game controller kit as well. If you and maybe you with your kids like to play games in the car, either at superchargers or while you're waiting for your spouse or partner to come out of the grocery store, whatever it is, check those out at the same URL as well. puretesla.com slash RTL. And then uh, let's see, uh, I guess I will just thank my wonderful Patreon backers, the higher tier backers, who among many other perks get their name shouted out each week. So uh, let me say hi to the Plaid crew, now retired but grandfathered into our monthly Zoom conversations, the group hang- group Zoom hangout, which uh, as I mentioned last week, I'm gonna book that for next weekend, probably Saturday. July 9th, you'll all, everybody that's eligible will get an email. Uh, I I don't just welcome the Maximum Plaid and the grandfathered in Plaid folks. Anyone uh, that gets, that either makes a new pledge or upgrades a pledge gets a one-time welcome slash thank you invite. The Plaid and Maximum Plaid backers get invited every single month. But, you know, you can can get invited to that as a a one-time hello just for making any pledge. So thank you to the plaid, the the uh, re- grandfathered in plaid crew here, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, excuse me, Dory and Steve Guberman. Boy, my voice is really, I just can't even say words anymore. It's getting pretty late. <laughs> I gotta go to bed. Thank you as well to Jeremy to the Tesla owners of Taiwan Club, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Next up, the Maximum Plaid crew. Thank you very much to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, Matt Asbury, 
We drive Tesla EV luxury car rental in Oahu and halobengals.com. And finally, an extra big thank you goes out to the Roadster in space tier backers who get all the perks, including the one exclusive to them, which is a monthly one-on-one Google Hangout, Zoom call, whatever the, whatever protocol we want to use, one-on-one Hangout with me, uh, which I actually just had one with Lawton from Chicago. We had a very, ni- very nice conversation, so thank you to him. Thank you to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Ayacavetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, who I also just spoke with recently as well, and Kara Weston. And that brings us to the end of Ride the Lightning episode 361. I've got not one, but two snoozing doggos over here, and I am not too far behind. Clearly, uh, my words don't work anymore, and it's time for me to go to bed. But I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Ride the Lightning. I had fun making it for you. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week. Should be fun. We'll get our production and delivery numbers from Tesla. We'll see what, you know, Q2 is a total wild card here. Could be, it could be any range of numbers. So we'll see what the quarter looked like and we'll cover, of course, whatever else happens in the world of Tesla. Stay tuned for that next week. Of course, every Sunday, a new episode drops at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. I'll see you then. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.